Don't worry, guys. Don't worry. Don't worry. We're back. We're back, guys. Hey. <laughs> We're just having a good time here and just basking in the presence of God right now. Uh, we do want to get to the word because it is the word of God that changes everything. So, Father, I just pray now that you will speak to us, Lord. Give us ears to hear what you are saying according to your word, Lord. Let us really understand what you are showing us as your body, as your people, as your church, that we will understand how much it means to be living stones, that we will really get what it means to be raised up as the church. We are the key to the city. We are the key to the world. So show us what that looks like, Lord, and we continue and even more so surrender to you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, we're back. Second week of, well, second week in a row, I should say, that um, we're talking about Revelation, uh, more so on a panel. And last week we left off with what it meant to be, you know, what our purpose is as the church. Uh, we even read, you know, in John chapter 18, verse 37, when Pilate said to Jesus, so you are king. Jesus answered, you say that I am king for this purpose. I was born and for this purpose, I have come into the world to do what? To bear witness to the truth. And it's important to understand, you know, and I won't say too much about last week. Please go to the YouTube or podcast to really check that out. But we just really started talking about us being the church and our purpose and what that looks like. And of course, that means more than anything to walk in the humility that we see Jesus walked in. And it is it is the glory that God gets when we humble ourselves and when we allow him to lead us. Uh, that is our purpose. But this week, we want to kind of take that understanding and that truth further into what that looks like in terms of how is that accomplished in the church. Um, I want to set it up as I was speaking to Brown earlier this week, because I was really reminded uh, about Paul's position and his uh, situation when we read Acts chapter 25 and even more emphasis on 26, uh, which I'll summarize. But to start off in chapter 25, of course, you know, Paul, who is radically changed and converted to be, um, you know, God's messenger and, and, and preach to the Gentiles, the very thing that he was against, he became for. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing how in this part of the scripture, you see how he is, he's now locked up, he's in prison because of his testimony and him preaching that the same person who they killed, who was named and who was known to be Jesus, the Messiah, he was now declaring, he was now proclaiming, and he was now saying, this is the Messiah. This is the same one. And the very person that the prophets of the Old Testament spoke about, the Jewish community and the Jewish leaders did not like it. So we find them in prison and um, we see that, you know, Festus, who is, uh, you know, part of the government, you know, he goes to Jerusalem. He is telling, you know, the people that are really trying to get 
Paul back from Caesarea to Jerusalem so that they can charge him, but not just charge him with accusations that were false, but kill him. And they're talking to Festus. And I'm I'm just paraphrasing. I would encourage everyone to read this story because it is absolutely powerful. But, you know, Festus then convinces them. He says, you guys come back with me. And, you know, he gets Paul to stand before him. He tries to convince Paul to go back and then he could therefore defend himself in Jerusalem. But Paul says, no, he's well aware of his, um, you know, why he's been charged and what his situation is and he decides to stay there so we get to the part where acts chapter 26 we see him standing before king agrippa this is a guy who has come uh, with the governor and also with his wife and they begin to look at well they begin to talk to festus who says look you know there's this guy he needs to sit before you he has a lot to say but before we send him to caesar I at least want you to hear him because there seems to be no charges that we can really lay to him. And he's already appealed to Caesar. Now, I've set that up in that way because I want to paraphrase and really summarize what happens in Acts chapter 26. Because the reason I'm saying all of this, it it will show us how the church becomes who they are. And it shows us the fact that we need to become the message. That is the important thing that I want all of us to take away from today. It is it is not about us just saying we are the body of Christ. It is about us showing that and the way that happens is we become the message. So chapter 26, you know, just quickly verses two through six, you already know that Paul is standing before the king, you know, to summarize it, he was that part of the scripture. It talks about how he was willing to take this opportunity and use it for God's glory and not for his defense of trying to prove his innocence. This is Paul. He's not trying to say, oh, you know, I've been wronged and, you know, I deserve this and I deserve that. No, he's taking this opportunity to actually testify about how he's become who he is because of the incredible encounter that he's had with Jesus. Powerful. Verses 7 through 11, it goes on. He explains his zeal to persecute the church. So he kind of goes back into who he was and how he was the person that was so adamant. He was so obsessed with persecuting the church that he would literally track down leaders of the church to throw them in jail. I mean, he would go as far as he could and as far as wherever they were to make sure he got them. That's how adamant he was. That's how obsessed and that's how much he believed he was doing was right. Uh, So as we keep going, verses 12 through 18, Paul takes this moment and he explains how he was changed by Jesus. So he begins to tell the king, this is what happened to me. And he goes through that by detail. I was on my horse. I was on my way to Damascus and the Lord changed me. And that person, when he changed me, called himself Jesus. So as we keep going, we see that he's telling them the reason I'm here today is because I want everyone to know that this is what has happened. And the reason they're charging me, the reason that I'm in these chains, because the people, the Jewish people are saying that I am not uh they're saying that the person that i'm speaking of who is jesus is wrong 
So as the king gets involved, he tells the king, as, as a matter of fact, it is Festus that says, you're out of your mind, Paul. You're crazy. This is all your education that has messed you up. But it's amazing in that particular part that Paul addresses Festus in a way that is honorable. And I want us to get that. He's addressing the government, even though he is, he has the one, he's the one that has been wronged. He's the one that is in chains and he doesn't, he doesn't belong there. He, he actually hasn't done anything wrong according to why he's been locked up. And yet he says, most excellent Festus. He says, honor to the king. He addresses the government in a way that is honorable. So when he does this, he says, I am not wrong. I've been asked and I've been told by the king to speak freely. And as I'm speaking, the only thing that I'm doing, which is proclaiming what the prophets have said, what Moses has said, and everything that has been done to me, it is not hidden. Everyone sees it. And then he addresses the king and he says, King, you believe in the prophets. I know your position when it comes to the Jewish traditions and what you see about the prophets in the scroll. And I know you get that. Do you not believe this? And so the king addresses him and he says, look, do you think in a short time that you would be able to convince me to be a Christian? And this is the part that I wanted to get to. I had to set it up that way so this would make sense. Paul says in this point, I am, he says this, he says, in a short time, whether it is right now or whether it's far from now, not only you, but for everyone that is looking at me right now, I pray to God that everyone that sees me will become what I am. Except he does say, except these chains, but everyone that sees me would become what I am. In other words, who I am now is because of the encounter I've had with Christ. And the reason I am who I am is because of what he's done. The, the fruit in that is that I can call myself the church because I've become the message. And what Paul says, he doesn't say, I want you guys to read what I've read. I want you guys to kind of say the things that I've said. No, he, he, he's the example. He opens his arms and he says, I want everyone to see who I am and become this. Because it's not about the chains. It's not about the position. It's not about where you see me. It's about who I've become. I want you to get what I am. I want you to get what has changed me. I want you to, to desire this. That is so powerful. And at that point, Agrippa Lee's, he's he even tells Festus, look, this man could have been free if he had not appealed to Caesar. But I read that and I thought about that and I said, no, you've, you've still missed the point. Paul is begging you guys to become what he is because it's not about his chains. It's not about him being captured or being held back. He is free. He's not trying to be free. He's trying to convince. He's trying to persuade. He's trying to show you guys 
This is what it looks like to become the message. So powerful. It's so powerful when you read it. And it brings me to this point with Brahm and even with Josh that as we talked about last week, what the purpose was of the church and talking about this week, how that is exemplified, how we see that in us, we have to become the message. It reminds me of, and I want to get your thoughts on this, Brahm and even Josh, but it reminds me of when Revelation chapter 10, when the angel approached John and he said to him, eat the scroll. When you eat it, the taste of it will be sweet as honey in your mouth. But when you, it will be bitter when it hits your stomach. As a matter of fact, he says it will be bitter when it hits your stomach, but it will be sweet as honey in your mouth. He says it opposite. He says the stomach part first, which is so interesting that it would become bitter in his belly. And yet after that, he tells him, now prophesy to the nations and to the people. And as we're reading that, even when we get to the two witnesses and the witnesses are prophesying and they're 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 in sackcloth, which we talked a little bit about last week and just having humility for us to understand how we become the message. And when we look at eating the scroll and and allowing it to digest, what does that actually mean, Brahm, when we read how it is sweet? in our mouths, but it is bitter in our stomach. And then that has to happen before we can actually speak. Yeah. First, before, before we get into that, I think we need to begin with, I like the way you, you start with Paul. And he said, I wish all of you can become like I am. Yeah. He, that's pretty much Paul's, Paul's stance in his message. Yeah. In everything that he he did and he said and he wrote, he was the message. And he even said to in, in First Corinthians chapter chapter six, I believe, he said, "Imitate my walk." You mm-hmm. know? Like we don't understand. Just as Christ is the embodiment of the truth, or the incarnation of the truth. He requires us, his followers, to be also the incarnation of the truth. Yeah. So that's pretty much what, what it is. And I think that is important because when you look at Paul's, the way Paul communicates, he said, listen, the gospel, the truth of the gospel is stumbling block to the Jews and it's foolishness or nonsense to the Greeks. So from the two, two extreme of, of the culture, it's not relevant. Mm. We're trying to make it relevant, but the thing is, the only thing that remain that it, that remains relevant are the people who are who incarnate, who are the incarnate of the, of the truth. Yeah. Because yeah, he said yeah, yeah. in First Corinthians chapter three, you know, where I think it's chapter three, verse five to six, he said, "Foolishness to the Greek, and stumbling block to the Jews." But power to those who are being tra- being, being saved. saved. Yeah. In other words, who are being transformed. In other words, it's an undeniable reality. You see the person, you cannot deny it. Yeah. So here's the thing. Well, we're so we have to be careful that we want to be eloquent. We want to be amazing in, in our delivery. But here's the thing. If you can, if you can discredit 
the messenger, you describe the message. Mm-hmm. It really is that simple. That's the nature of 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 the uh, the word of God. Yeah. You can describe the messenger, you describe the yeah. the message. Yeah. All right. So wow. here's the thing. <laughs> That's what I did. Yeah. Paul, not only that, look at me. Oh, can I could you please pass me the, the Bible day? Uh, just I wanna read this this powerful, powerful scripture. Mm. Just throw it at me. <laughs> I love you discredit if you can discredit the messenger you discredit the message it's that yeah okay yeah wow <laughs> yeah so now this the idea of the embodiment of the message into the messenger Paul expands it almost like what John is doing that, that, that pattern is there, right? In other words, it's not just him, okay? Now, I want to read this. He said, in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 3, verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 1 to 3, I believe, he said, I'll, I'll read it. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Okay? Are we trying to promote ourselves here? Or do we need some letters of recommendation? Mm, All right? Yeah, yeah. Or do we need some, you know, letters of recommendation to you <laughs> or from you? Yeah. And then verse 2, he said, you are our letter, written in our hearts, known and, and read by all. Are you wow. guys getting that? Wow, wow, yeah, yeah. Okay? Yeah. Uh, verse 3, being manifested that you are a letter of Christ, cared for by us. Now listen to this. Written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. What language is that? That's the language of Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26. Mm. I will write my law in the, or, you know, I'll give you the new hearts, you know, mm. and Jeremiah 31, 31 to 36. In other words, what Paul is saying is this. Because just like this today, everybody yeah. like their resume, you know, like yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah. all written and everything. Yeah. Paul said, I'm not like those people. What you see in me is what you get. Not only that, beyond me, he said, what God is doing in you all, that's my business card. For yeah. <laughs> yeah. What God is doing in you, what God is doing in you, what God is doing in you guys, that's my letter. That's my business card. In other words, not only the embodiment that, like, not the, that, that, that is in me, but for me, now it expands. Mm to the people I minister to. That's what the world needs to see. Not the building of massive organization, all those things. That's what they need to see. Now It's the people. Yeah. In other words, for me, not just me, but it expands to you now. We look at John's eating the scroll, and yeah. then not only him, but now he expands that to the church. Yeah. So like yeah. to the two witnesses, which is a representation that we discussed, of the church, so that same pattern is there. Now, yeah. okay. Let's let's go go to the uh, the sweet when you chew it, but when it gets to your stomach to digest it, it's bitter. All right. So uh, here's the thing: the process of the word of God. Okay, the process of of having this word of God. You know how Jesus said the Jesus said to to the Father before he went to the cross, Father, sanctify them, the disciples, 
by your truth. Mm-hmm. Your word is truth. Mm-hmm. But the, he is the truth. He is me. There has to be an engagement for the sanctification to happen mm-hmm. between me and the truth. All right? So there's, there, there are a few steps here. Number one, you hear and you read the word of God. But it has to go beyond that. Yeah. You have to meditate on the word of God and practice the word of God or living out the word of God. Yeah. Okay. So when I, so this, I believe that this is where the metaphor sits. All right. When you hear and read the word of God, it's like you're chewing it. And the gospel is the good news, right? Yeah. So that's why it's sweet. Yeah. Tastes good. It tastes yeah. good. Come and taste that the Lord is good. You know, you, you, you hear about the goodness of God. Yeah. But when you have to live out the truth because it's against the spirit of the world, it becomes bitter in your stomach. That's when you have to meditate and you practice and live it out at any cost, mm. at all cost. When you feel not, not feeling like it, you just do it. Yeah. Okay, when you don't feel like forgiving per, a person, you do it. Now that's, my thing is, the problem with a lot of Christians that I see. Now, I, I had to go through that, and I'm still going through it, having to do it. Yeah. Is that they stay in the, in the, in the state of sweetness. Yeah. Sweet presence of God, we love doing that. But when it has to come to the point where you have to digest mm. What the truth says, not many people will cross that line. I watch it. Churches are filled with people who enjoy the presence of God, who enjoy the sound of the gospel. God is loving. God is amazing. But somehow, when it comes to their stomach, where they have to digest the truth and live it out, they just will not cross. Mm. But the reality is, okay, I want to say this, and I want to say it as clearly as possible. I don't care how good you're the food, the food or the nutritious food that you eat. It's not what you chew that's going to make it. It's what you digest. I'll say it again. I don't care how good nutritional value that, the, the food that you buy, how much money you pay for it. Mm. It's not what you chew. That's going to be the making of you, that you will benefit from that nutritious stuff, but it's what you digest. The same thing with the Word of God. You can go, like, oh, God, it's so good, blah, blah, blah. The question is when, that, when it gets down to it, will you digest when it's bitter? Whew. Wow. When you have to endure. When it, when it comes against... Every mindset you've been trained for, because we're a computer, whatever we're brought up with, that's our way of thinking, culture, everything. Right? Mm-hmm. That's what we've been brought up with. So, uh, so guess what? The truth needs to reprogram us. Yeah. Our computer needs to be taken to the, the expert to reprogram. Yeah. You know, we need new program. But that's... In reality, that is not the easiest thing to do. Mm. And that's what, what, what the Bible says, eat it and digest it. Mm. That's my understanding. <laughs> oh. Oh. Yeah. oh, man. 
And the, the, the good thing is, the good thing is, like, as, like the two scriptures, two scenarios, both John and, and Paul, is when you, as a disciple of Jesus, chew and digest really well by meditating, practicing, doing all those things, it is transferable. You can say to people, watch my life and do it likewise. And it expands to the people around you. Yeah, yeah. That's what expands. Yeah. And that's, that's what multiplies. That's why it's all the pattern in the Bible. That's why when you look at the Sermon on the Mount, it actually is a sermon, a te teaching of Jesus to the disciples. Well, the others could hear it, but actually it was directed towards disciples. Yeah. When you read the thing. And then in chapter chapter 5, verse 13, where Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. What is he talking about? He's talking about flavor. Mm. Now, I remember in social media, people communicate, people say, you know, we are the salt of the earth, means we, you know, Christianity will preserve the the nation, you know, by, by you know, all those things. And then they talk about political stuff, okay? Mm. Jesus is not talking about the preserving nature of the salt. He was talking about the flavor. If it's, He said, if it loses its saltiness, yeah. it's useless. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. The salt in the food, you can't, you can't see it. Yeah. You can't. But you know when it's not there. Yeah. <laughs> right? It was like there's a flavor about, about the Christians. And what is the flavor of the Christians? Okay. Someone on the Mount began with what? The Beatitudes. Yeah. Yeah. So listen to these guys. Okay. So you want to eat the truth and digest the truth where you become a flavor that will flavor people around you. What is the flavor? Those who poor in spirit, mm. those who hunger for righteousness, those who are merciful, those are the flavors of disciples of Jesus. Yeah. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, all the way to verse 12. That's so, like the ingredients. Well, that's the flavor. Like, it's yeah. like when people come to you, they, they, they feel your, your mercy. They yeah, feel, yeah, they, yeah. It's yeah. like that's the hunger of, of, yeah. of Christians. Like, yeah. Like, yeah, like Jesus, that's why Jesus said, love your enemy, because then he said, that then you will be like, like your father who, who, uh, uh, who, who sent the son, who cause, causes the son to rise on the righteous and the unrighteous and send the rain to, you know, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, that is the flavor of the Christians. But you have to leave it out. See the thing, chewing the the Bible, you can read the Bible as much as you want to, but unless you're willing to actually digest the truth. Yeah. That's that's what makes you yeah. become the message. That's it. That's why Paul could say yeah. to the people he was speaking to in Corinthians, you are, you people, you are my letters yeah. of recommendation. Even when I think about what Peter's called us, the, we're the living stones. It's like Everything is in yeah. his people, yeah. you know. And and we, we have to have... Now, no one is going to be perfect. Paul understands he's not perfect. I mean, you, you read Second Corinthians, 
you read about Paul's hum humanity, like, yeah. really, when you read Second Corinthians. But he was able to say to the Corinthians, listen, you want to know my, what my life's like? That's why I sent Timothy to you. He will tell you all about me. Yeah. But you have to have the confidence that, okay, you want to know about me? Just ask my, my, the guys around me here. See, there was my life. It has to be like that. Oh, wow. See, here's the thing. Christians, many Christians, people in the world, but unfortunately, many Christians, just like people in the world, we live our lives trying to build our reputation mm. rather, than, rather than building our character that is based on eating the Word of God and digest the Word of God, the truth mm. of the Word of God. I tell people, my reputation is what you think of me. But my character is my wife, my, what my wife knows about me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And what God knows, obviously God knows about me. That's pretty much. Mm. I don't know. What do you think, Josh? Now, Josh can tell me about what's, my character. What's going on in your, in your mind, Josh? <laughs> I don't know what else to say. I feel like that reached the, the climax of a whole sermon within the first, like, 15 minutes of this discussion, so I don't really know what, what much more to add. But I think that, I guess, what's going through my head is, you know, it, it kind of reminds me of the the weight of responsibility and the importance of this. You know, as you're talking, Dad, it, it, it reminds me of what you say a lot of the time, which is, um, this is going to be, I'm going to, I want to try and quote you correctly on this, but, um, being saved by Christ will cost you nothing, but following Christ will cost you everything. That's right. <laughs> um, and it's this notion that, yeah, that first moment, it is, it's the gospel, it's good news. It's, mm. we can receive the gospel and be like, oh, this is such good news. Now I can live a life free of judgment and free of sin, but to actually live that out um, takes everything within us or takes us giving everything within us to God. And yeah. that's the bitter part of it. Um, but it's necessary because the responsibility is on us to be the face of God on this earth. And that's what we were talking about last week. It's, it kind of reminds me of like the, not the direness of it, but like, I guess just the, I don't know, the, the weight of responsibility is, is, is the phrase that keeps coming to my mind is, is this notion that like Jesus was here and he was the he was God, like he he is God, but he he was in the time that was he was here. He was the first, I guess, like representation for humans to be like, ah, oh, this is who God is. This is who this God yeah. is that um, that we've never seen, or you know, whatever. Um, this is our this is our first time meeting him in person, um, and now we have all these stories and these. And these written texts that also show us that, which I think like that's super important. And that's that, you know, for us, that's everything. Um, but also for the world, the church has to continue to bear the torch of that responsibility, which is to be the mm. example of who Christ is. And therefore the example of who God is um, everywhere. 
Now, obviously, we're imperfect and we're sinners, but that's where repentance comes in. That's where humility comes in, and that's the bitter part of it. That's what's really hard. Mm. Yeah. But it it doesn't change the fact that we're imperfect. Doesn't change the fact that God has called us to literally be His ambassadors, to represent Him fully in who He is on this earth. Like that's a lot of responsibility. Yeah. But to do that, that's why we need to digest the word rather than just hold it in our mouths. Yeah. You know, I get this notion. Correct me if I'm wrong, Dad, but it, I kind of get this sense that when it says that the word will be sweet. In your mouth, it's not just the the fact that it tastes good as you're ruminating on it, but it's also like as it comes out, it's going to be sweet. And, you know, it's also kind of the, this, I don't know, I just get the image of it. It's It comes in your mouth and it's sweet, but it's also coming out of your mouth and it's sweet. Um, the like, the, the transference of it and the speaking of it, but it's the, the bitterness that actually is, as we live that out, that really shows people um the fact that we're living out the gospel and that's what really speaks to people. Yeah. And I just think, I don't know. I, I just, w- when you kind of think about the fact that, you know, Jesus as a human being is, is no longer here. So we are the ones that have to, to be the example to the world of God. And all of a sudden it makes you realize I can't do this by myself. I actually am not able to, yeah, to do this yeah. without, yeah. without God transforming me. And the only way to do that, is with his word mm-hmm. and his end, but by, yeah, but by living it out and by digesting it. Yeah. So that's why, and that, you know, that, that's where, <clears throat> that's when you start to get all these questions of like, okay, so what does this mean? Then how do we live? How do we, when it comes to things where there's turmoil in this world, you know, for example, Carvin, you talked about, and I think that's why we, it's really awesome. And we look, at the church in Acts for then examples of like practical what that what that principle because yeah. you, you know there's no better example than all of those apostles of of what that actually looked like to live that out in their imperfectness still uh, imperfection still digesting the word and and living in humility in repentance you know yeah. Paul had to pull Peter up for treating people poorly in his own congregation but it was it's still there's the repentance, there's contrition. Um, it's good, yeah. And then and then you see these stories like Paul talking to the king and and still, yeah. you know, um, being humble and being uh, respectful of the leadership, but still holding the word in his mouth and in his tummy. Um, Abby doesn't like when I say tummy instead of <laughs> stomach. She says it's it's too cute. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I don't know why. I just like the word. Think of Teletubbies. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know why. Every time I I go to say it, I just I can't think. I literally can't think of another word whenever I go to say it. Stomach. Stomach words. Yeah. No. But I like. I like tummy. Um, I forgot my train of thought now. (laughs) Sorry. It's because as I said it, I no longer forget. (laughs) I think I, I like. You know, here's the thing. You know, I think this is the balance, right? You're talking about no one is perfect. Yeah, absolutely. And yet God wants us to be an example. What kind of example? We're talking about that flavor. Mm-hmm. Okay? The beatitude. Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Yeah. He didn't say blessed are the righteous. Yeah. Yeah. He said blessed are those who hunger for yeah. righteousness. That is like 
that is the balance. Now, yeah, we're not perfect, but we make it our business to pursue righteousness. Yeah. And keep not, going for keep it. Keep going. Yeah, and 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 you you notice that Jesus didn't say, "Blessed are those who are hungry and thirsty," mm-hmm. because adjective means you just happen to be caught in the. Yeah. But he used the the, the verb rather than adjective. Yeah. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst is adjective. So there's an action. Yeah. Something on it's your an active, part. That yeah, you're, it's that an active you're, yeah. verb. An active present tense ver- verb in English and in Greek also. Yeah. Present tense talks about reality and talks about a habit. Yeah. A habit of a, of, of a disciple of Jesus is their the hunger. Yeah. And their thirst. So the promise is you will be filled. Yeah. yeah. But to get to that promise, you yeah. have to actually yeah. Yeah. do this part. You make it your business to mm. day out on a daily basis. Just like present tense, it's like, for example, the application of present tense, like Australians speak English, Christians do hunger and thirst. Yeah. It's a reality, right? Yeah. Australians speak English, Christians do hunger and thirst for righteousness. Mm. That's it. I, I, I think that is the one thing that is especially now more than ever. It is almost like God is trying to wake us up and say, this is, this is what you need to go after. Yep. This is what That's you right. need to desire. Everything else around you let yeah. me work that out. This That's is right. actually what you need to go after because the promises are are like to get those promises, to get that you have to actively go after the word. You That's have it. to actively uh, allow this in humility yeah. to digest. And it's amazing because the thing that I'm even catching even now is that, yes, we're not perfect, but that's not the point. The point is actually you can you can see the humility yeah. of who Christ is and yeah. and his humility be displayed incredibly through humanity. That's because right. it's not about us trying to make anything perfect. It's about us surrendering to what is already perfect. Yeah. And for that to be displayed, that God has to get the glory, you know, right. through that. Yeah. And yeah, it, I think we've relied on taste as yeah. a church and what is sweet. And, and I, I like the way you say it, not the tummy part, Josh, but the way you said how you eat the word and it, it does taste sweet. And when you speak it, it comes across sweet, you know, when whether we, you know, look at or translate that into worship or even the gifts when we mm. prophesy and you know speak right. and say these things all of those things bring a joy it brings an excitement yeah. it brings a yeah. uh you know like oh man i can't wait but it reminds me of the scripture when the people are before jesus and they're saying well i prophesied That's you right. know yeah. in your name and i healed the sick mm. i did all of these things that are just so nice and so good and so gravitating and awesome which is is awesome is great but it's jesus that says i i never knew you yeah and it just makes me think man the journey is actually allowing the word of god to digest to where it is so bitter and is so tough and 
It feels mm-hmm. so inconvenient, and yet we surrender to it because that is the making of who we are as the message in Christ. That's how we can be living stones. Yeah. That's how we are the church That's that it. is built up. Yeah. And that is how the world will see who Jesus is. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Huh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's almost like a lounge room that you guys are in right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but we have to this is serious guys this this is this is a moment that is not we we shouldn't be looking at it as all oh, this is going to pass and we'll get back to what church was like and you know seeing people and you know being in a building and worshiping and putting our hands up and going about our week yeah you know eventually we will get back to being with each other physically but no it we can't look at church the way we've looked at it for so long. And we have to allow the Holy Spirit to strip everything back and not just strip it back, but strip it away to where we become the church mm. the way it's meant to be. Mm. That's it. We actually become the message. That's it. That's Josh, it. is there any more thoughts you have? I always have more thoughts, but <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's so awesome. I just think that the more we can kind of, I think, encourage each other like crossways, you know, brothers and sisters and leaders to leaders and within the church, the more like things come up and the more tumultuous the settings become, I think it's just about pointing each other and encouraging each other towards the actual the foundation of what we believe and the truth of it. Um, you know, like I think people are going to believe for, for some causes more than others. And some people are going to believe in some causes more than other people believe in those causes. And I think that that stuff, there's always going to be things pushing and pulling us. And especially as like, you know, in the middle of a pandemic, governments all, all across the world are making decisions mm. based on the information that they have. And That's right. Whatever their motivations, they're, they're doing the best with what they've got. Um, and so even even like across countries, there are Christians in some countries that are like, your country's doing this wrong and your country... And I think there's always, there's always going to be things that people that can always get caught up in in the discussion mm-hmm. around. But I think that that's why, that's why it really is just so simple. You know, God doesn't tell us to, to try and change the world that way. He, mm-hmm. he tells us to actually... Just be faithful to the word and focus on that. So no matter what the context is, no matter what is happening, doesn't matter which end of any spectrum, not just like political, but any spectrum, the world that you're living in is currently situated. Um, The point is that regardless of the context, you're still that God's people who is placed in that um, circumstance can always be consistently the same regardless. And that is a, a people who are um, preaching the word, who are being humble, who are mm. remaining true to it and digesting it so that it becomes a part of them. Yeah. yeah. And I think that that's, this is, I think this whole thing is a really great reminder that through all of this that's happening, no matter what you believe, all that we're, all that it really comes down to and all that we're asked to, to believe and what it, what it really should be stripped back to is just the word and, um, and the gospel and the fact that God loves people and it's just getting people to him 
Like, it, you know, and that's not going to happen through the government. We can't try and, you know, legislate holiness. You can't try and enforce things through yeah. through political powers. So don't even try. I mean, obviously, like, like I know that there are people that are called to politics and that are, that, that, that are called by God to be stewards of the political realm. Like that stuff, there's stewards all over the place. That's yeah. that's completely separate to this idea that the church just needs to be the church and we just need to be God to people and we need to not yeah. rely yeah. on the context to to share the word for us, but we need to actually, despite the context, share the word yeah. as the church to the people. Yeah. And that should be what we should all be encouraging each other. That's kind of what I'm that's what's been in my head a lot of this because there's just so much going on and you know, even questions about humility and but still you know fighting the power and being arrested for speaking the word but all all of that in in acts for example or even paul but all of it comes down to the fact that it's it's actually purely about the word and Mm. nothing else Mm -hmm. um you know and and fighting for moral yeah anyway yeah it is it's about how he became the message. Look, I think as we end and as we get back to the the worship team and um, setting up uh, or closing out, I want to say to everyone that's listening and kind of put it out there as more of a challenge to all of us because I think this is I want well maybe confronting. Yeah, maybe it's making us think about have I really become the message you know i read it and i can read the scriptures to anyone but like brahm was just saying that that's not enough you know it's not it's not what changes people it is the spirit in us that when people see who we are and they see that the word is digested that is what changes people It's amazing how when the church, the early church was persecuted and they begin to spread because of the persecution. When the Bible says that the word of God multiplied, it multiplied through the living stones because they became the message wherever they went. They could not stop talking about the word and the word of God will multiply if we allow it to submit if we allow it to really, if we surrender to it and submit to, to it and we allow it to digest, we digest what is being said, then we become that. We become what we digest. We become the message. The more encounters we have with the Holy Spirit, the more we spend time with Him, the more we pray, the more we meditate on the Word, the more we hit hard times or hard stuff and the more we hit things in our lives that seem to be convenient seem to be or seem to be inconvenient rather seem to be uncomfortable and we think about it and say okay am I going to respond this way or am I going to respond according to the word I want to respond to my flesh because I feel like they need to know this but I need to respond with humility because the word is saying this those people looking at us because they're looking they will see the message and that message is Jesus so I want to challenge all of us are we becoming the message 
and be honest with yourself. That's it. Because if we haven't been, we can be. And yes, we're journeying with that. But this, these, these are the thoughts we need to have now. How can I be the message today? How is God making me the message now? Because I am the living stone. I am the church. We are the church. He is the one we rely on. Because he is more than enough. Go ahead, worship team. Lead us out. Yes, Lord Jesus. Yes, Lord.